Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. The history of the last year of Wapak Naz and filter through themes and ideas and stories um, and truthfully, there's way too much to tell, right? There's, there's way too many things that happen. There's way too many successes, way too many God movements than we can capture in a recap in a couple Sundays. But nonetheless, that's what we're trying to do. Now, if you're new to Wapak Naz, you haven't been journeying with us all year long, uh, some of this stuff might feel a little bit weird, like why are you covering this? And, and, and it's not our intention to exclude you by any means, because that's not what we desire to do. In fact, the reason we share these stories is so that we can include you. Because we might have, as a church, journeyed before you were a part of this church. But this journey is your journey. Your journey is our journey. We share a collective journey as the people of God. And God desires for us to share our stories together. To remember the stories of God's faithfulness before as an encouragement for his faithfulness today. Because sometimes it's really hard to be encouraged that God's going to be faithful today. Sometimes it's really challenging to say, how is God going to move in this situation now? Because this is, this is different. But what happens is we forget all those moments when he did move before. All those times when he did do something incredible. And we tend to forget that and exclude those. So we encourage you to participate in this. Even if these are stories that, that you weren't a part of at that time. Um, that's why we share those. And, and I say that, um, and I want us to look just briefly this morning at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Deuteronomy, of course, is, is one of the first books in the Old Testament, really laying foundation and groundwork for the story of the people of God, right? The people had been created, the Israelites had been risen up uh, as a people of God, and God had begun to give them laws and decrees and statutes and said, this is the way I want you to live. These are the things I desire for you. This is how people will know that you are my people. And so Deuteronomy 6, and my page turned as I moved. Deuteronomy 6, verses 1 through 9 says this. This is the Lord talking. These are the commands, decrees, the laws of the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all of his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. 
talk with them when you sit at home and when you walk along, along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Heavenly Father, may we not just be a people that passively experience your movement. May we not just be a people that, that allow God to move around us and don't allow God to move in us. And so this morning, God, will your Holy Spirit come into this place and may you remind us of those moments that you've been faithful and may you call us to moments, maybe dangerous moments, maybe difficult moments, maybe challenges that lie ahead of us. As we remember and recall the faithfulness of our God, God, may we be prepared for the things that lie in front of us. And may we step into those with certainty and with courage. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, as we, as we transition here, uh, one of the things, I think Steve, Stephen had talked about it last week in our sermon, uh, he shared a little bit about tapestry. And that's, tapestry is our, our women's ministry um, that primarily functions as an outreach serving organization. They'll go someplace and they'll serve and they'll, they'll commit themselves to other people. But the adage is true. You can't pour from an empty cup. And so this past year, they, Chris and Laura were thinking about it and processing, you know, all these opportunities we have to serve people and invest in other people, but what if we're empty? And so they said, well, let's, let's do something. Let's, let's, let's do a night that's focused on prayer. And so they created prayer stations. They set up stations in this room, and each spot had a different uh, small little activity or a prayer or a scripture to read, a focus for that, that spot. And they invited women of all ages to come to that. Moms and daughters, grandmothers came to this, and they prayed. They sought God uh, in new ways to do new things. You see pictures right here of moms and their daughters at the altar. Uh, praying perhaps in a way that they've never prayed together before. This isn't just for a one-time thing. This is discipleship. This is modeling behavior. This is shaping and forming for future generations because you better believe that the moms in these pictures are going to remember this moment, right? right? Any moms in this room, you remember those moments with your kids, those special moments. But guess what? Those kids are going to remember that moment too. Even if they don't talk about it with the frequency that you talk about it, they remember that moment. And they remember something different in that place than what they experienced in other moments and in other times. It was a wonderful opportunity to have that. And, and, and as I was thinking about those tapestry moments and those family gatherings, I, I was reminded of our moments together at the table, which also happens right here in the sanctuary. We kind of pull the altars back and we set up a, a, a couple long tables here and we, we set a scene right out of the New Testament, right out of the upper room where Jesus sat with his disciples moments before he was betrayed by Judas. And as he sat around the table and he broke bread with them and he shared with them about the sacrifice he was about to make and the promise of the resurrection, we sit at the table as family groups, as life groups. We bring the youth group to it together and we break bread and we reflect on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and on the power of the resurrection. 
because we weren't meant to experience all of this by ourselves. Yes, I have a personal relationship with Jesus. Yes, I know him in intimate and, and unique ways for me specifically that, that Matthew interacts with Jesus. But it's not just supposed to be a Matthew and Jesus relationship. My relationship with Jesus is one that impacts all of my other relationships. It shapes my family. It shapes my work. It shapes my, my friends and my enemies. And so we come together in moments like this to be shaped by God together so that he might speak to us in new ways. As I was thinking about these personal relationships and these moments when people are, are moved to action, I was thinking about these moments that most people don't see happen. And, and by looking at one of these pictures, you, you, you can tell what that is. That's a trash bag right there, right? So you can pick up the story. Somebody collects trash around here, right? Who enjoys picking up trash around the house? Who, who's like, man, I can't wait for garbage day. And I get to go around the house and pick up all the trash and pick up all the stuff that dropped out of the waste bin in the, trash, or in the bathroom. Who, who loves doing that? I don't think probably any of us just like, I can't wait for trash day. This is a service, a way that a few serve without the knowledge of the majority. They don't do it for accolades. They don't do it so I can call them forward right now and say, hey, look at how great they are. They do it because they get to give back to somebody who's given so much to them, to a people that have invested in them. The, the other picture there is, is of our awning off the back corner over here. You drive past it when you come into the church probably if you come through uh, down on Benton Street. And you probably can't really tell what, what's being pointed out there, but that was pretty weathered until that picture was taken. It was pretty uh, unsightly, some might say, until somebody took the opportunity and said, you know what, I've got a can of white paint. You know what, I've got a, I've got a, a sandpaper that I can sand that down, put a fresh coat of paint on that, and I've got a couple hours on a Tuesday afternoon to go by the church. I don't even need to tell the pastors I'm there because I'm not even inside the building and just go paint the awning. Matthew chapter 6 verse 1 says this, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Now I don't mean for this to be a, a, a scary kind of a don't ever let anybody know you're doing anything nice, right? That's, that's not what this means. But if your motivation to do good deeds is so that others say, hey, way to go, you're awesome. You're missing the point. And these moments in, in our church life and in, in the life of Wapaknaz are moments where people have said, I'm not doing this for the reward. I'm not doing this for the accolades. Man, I don't care if anybody knows that I did it. We, we had to find out who did that awning. We had no idea. It was, it was that much of a secret to us. Don't know when it happened, and we were just like, it's got to be somebody. And so we kind of narrowed it down, but it wasn't about that. It was about service, commitment to God, commitment to his people. That act was an act of love for God, but also an act of love for you. Each one of you that sits here, and those who have sat here, and those who are going to sit here. That's why those are done. Our life groups, uh, what was this, the fourth year I've been a part of life groups here at Wapak Naz. We've been doing this for a long time. And let me tell you, this picture took me like 15 tries. To say, you weren't there this week. 
And we're missing, we're missing some of our group here. But I was, my abs were like six-pack after this because I was all crunched over. But anyway, uh, it took me like 15 times to take this picture. And uh, that's our life group, though. Most of it. Not all of it. Um, and those groups meet together weekly for our seasons. And we commit to these things that we've been talking about already. Prayer. Investing in one another's lives. Sharing together. And, and, and honestly, if I'm being real honest, with those little kids that you see pictured in there, wonderful, beautiful little kids that are pictured in there, and the others that aren't present, sometimes it's very distracting. Sometimes it's very difficult to focus on God in those moments. But that's life, isn't it? How often in our life is it easy to be distracted by God, or distracted from God by other things? How easy is it to find moments to say, well, this, there's just too much going on right now. I'll read my Bible later. I'll pray later. I'll think about godly things later because I'm just too distracted right now, too busy. There's too many things. And chaos happens around us almost every Monday night. But we take the moment to surround ourselves intentionally, to speak life into one another, and to seek God in new and real ways. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Don't let anyone look down on you. It's probably familiar to many of us. Because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. This is our youth group. Now, I'm a little biased here because I spend a lot of my time with these hooligans. But if you told me that this group was going to be this group four years ago when I came, I would have had a hard time envisioning that. I would have had a hard time believing that. But over the last year, the Holy Spirit has been moving. The Holy Spirit has been tilling up old, filthy, dirty ground and making new, fresh, good soil. Where seeds can be planted, where hope can be restored, where lives can be transformed, where lives can be renewed, where outcasts can find community, where the excluded can find inclusion. And a few weeks ago, we got to uh, benefit here on a Sunday morning with many of our teens singing um, and leading us in our song and worship. Other pictures here is our Wednesday nights at Engage. We meet over in the White House right over there. Um, and we sit down and we talk about God and we do a lot of the same stuff. We share in life together. We laugh. We play games together. Uh, you'll see the one picture there. They've got pieces of paper in their hands. Uh, Engage is focused on three principles. You might have seen the shirts around. It says Engage. It's got some gears on it. Underneath it, it says God, people, culture. Those three categories are intentional, and they're intentionally organized in that order. Because if we want to engage with people effectively or with any purpose or value, we have to engage with God first. We have to know who God is, know who he's made us to be, and know how he sees other people. If we're missing those, our engagement with people is going to have limited impact. And once we know who God is, and we engage with other people, it's through that relationship and that community 
that were then allowed to actually have an impact on culture. Not just to experience culture and try to stay away from bad things, but to actually transform culture. To make culture different. To make the culture of our classrooms and our communities different. Because of our commitment to one another and to God. It, um, it isn't lost on me either. I, I was reading a book um, and when I was in college, and it's stuck with me ever since. And so this is almost 10 years ago now. And it, was, it had interviewed a bunch of high school uh, graduates, and they're freshmen or sophomores in college now. And, it, and the, the premise of the interview was, what has made you stay connected to church? What's the, the, the reason you've stayed committed to church? Because we all know that that's kind of where that that gap happens, right? Where kids go off to college and then church maybe doesn't become a priority. And, and, and so the question was, how do, we, how do we stay connected there? And they gave a list of things, right, through the survey. Uh, I'll just say, youth pastor, we didn't make the top three. Senior pastor was actually higher than us. A senior pastor that cares and your teenagers was actually a higher significance and importance because they don't want to just know that the person who's supposed to care for them cares for them. Right? Senior pastor was higher, but even higher than senior pastor was adult volunteers. People who aren't paid, who it's not their job, but who show up week in and week out and invest in the lives of teenagers. You see Debbie Lynch there on the, the stool. Just, this is just a few weeks ago. Um, she was leading our group and sharing her story, her testimony of how God transformed her life, renewed her hope, renewed her spirit. And Debbie has invested in the lives of our teenagers over this last year. Remember what we've experienced this last year. It hasn't always been easy to be invested in people's lives. Debbie has stayed consistent and committed in that. And then the next one's my wife, who's done the same. She's not paid to be there. She's not obligated to be there. She's got kids to take care of that I'm too distracted to take care of because I've got a job to lead the teens, right? I'm paid to do this. If I don't do it, I lose my job. That's what happens. She doesn't have that obligation, but she chooses to be committed to the lives of teenagers. This is what is happening in our church that maybe we don't always even realize and recognize. And over the last year, this has been a byproduct that has transformed our youth group. It's not all, all about numbers but it's transformed our youth group of a group of four pretty consistently on a, on a Wednesday night to 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. We've had weeks we've tripled that number because of the relationships they've built and the commitment of leaders to be invested in them and that time spent together. It's hard to see from far away, but this picture was just a really cool picture from Christmas time last year uh, on the if, if you're looking this way, so I'm, I'll turn myself the same way. On the left side is Brendan Cope, and on the right side is Brendan Kohler. So that's our two Brendans. And that Sunday, we had Brendan Cope and Brendan Kohler running our PowerPoint and running our sound. You wouldn't be hearing me if not for the teenager that was sitting on that soundboard. You wouldn't be seeing these pictures if not for the teenager that was sitting at that, that screen. So they're not just committed to that group, they've been committed to you as well. 
The relationships are mutual. They're not one-way streets. We share in these walks together, and we, we contribute together, and we invest with one another. Right here is, is another great picture. He's not a, a student ministry student anymore. He's graduated from student ministry. But this summer, we were able to baptize Michael Wisner. And we celebrated that at our YMCA service. We celebrated his life and his journey. Many of you have known Michael a lot longer than I've known Michael as he's growing up in this church. And you've been praying for him a lot longer than I've been praying for him. And you continue to pray for him in powerful and real ways. And as a result of the faithfulness of this community to him, Michael came into a real, tangible, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. A real one. It's the real deal. It's, it's not just a, yeah, I learned about Jesus and I think he's all right. No, it's, it's the real deal. Romans 6, 4 says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We celebrate our baptisms. We celebrate those moments of transformation because they mean something for the life of these people. Even if it's not your baptism, every time we have a baptism, we should be remembering our baptism. And we do that when we invite everybody else who's been baptized over the last couple of years to come up and pray for that person who's getting baptized. You see that in this picture here. Michael's in the center there and surrounded by a group of, I don't know, seven, eight, twelve people who were baptized a year or two prior. And they've placed hands on him. And they've invested in him. They've poured their spirit into him as the Holy Spirit has invested and poured itself into them. When we celebrate baptisms, we're not just celebrating that baptism. We're celebrating the baptism. The Holy Spirit coming into our lives. Investing in us. Pouring into us. The sacrifices made for us. And we celebrate that in real and tangible ways each year. Our dangerous prayers have become a focal point this year. And, and really something that we've, we've made consistent. Uh, we did it this morning. As our kids exited this room and went upstairs, we've begun to pray dangerous prayers over them. Prayers that are not for safety and security, because this life is not meant to be safe and secure. And it's not going to be. And if these kids, as these kids grow up and they become Christians who are teenagers and Christians who are adults and Christians who are middle-aged adults and so on and so forth, they will be faced with obstacles with challenges to their faith, challenges to their commitment to it. And so we pray dangerous prayers for them today. Psalm 139 says this, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. These are the prayers we pray for our children. And like I said this morning, it's not because they're the leaders of tomorrow. They're leading today. How many of us have the same influence that my first grader has over his first grade teacher? He's got more influence than I have over her. He spends all day with her. 
I know her by name. She maybe would recognize my face. I don't know. But he has a relationship with her. And the same spirit that lives in me lives in these kids. And the same spirit that uses you and me will use our children. And so we pray and we invest, knowing that it's not just for tomorrow, but it's for today. That they need the power of the Holy Spirit living in them, transforming them, renewing them, making them bold, making them courageous, making them committed followers to the ways of the Lord so that they're not swayed by the ways of man, which can sometimes sound good, but often are misleading. So our kids, every Sunday, go upstairs, and they sing. They celebrate together. They dance. They do motions together. They're loved on by adults who care for them and teenagers who invest in them week in and week out. They play games downstairs to reinforce the Bible stories, right? You see that, that armor right there. It's the sword of the Spirit, you know? Helmet of righteousness, or it's breastplate of righteousness. I should study my scripture more. But, uh, but, but we have these stories and these moments where we continu- continue to invest in kids and in their lives. And the reason I share these is because a lot of us don't see this happening on Sunday morning. Because we're right here. But it's important that we know that these things are happening. Because they're not just happening to them. They're not just happening over there. They're happening to us, with us, in us, through us. So we reinforce those moments too with other events like Kids Camp, where we sent our kids off to camp this summer and they had other moments with other kids from other churches where they could invest in relationships, be encouraged and shaped and grown together. And, like I said, they're not just the church of tomorrow, they're the church and the leaders of today. So we even have moments when they teach us about Jesus. And we do that, we're doing it in a couple weeks with our elementary and our preschool programs. They'll come up here, they'll be all cute, dressed up as cows and sheep and Mary and Joseph, and they'll run around the stage and Joseph will be doing something over here, forgetting all about Mary and baby Jesus, and that's okay. But in these moments, we see a picture of the reality of the life of people, messy people, whom Jesus came to be one of. came to be one of us. Live a life that people live. It's not always so stoic. It's not always so rigid. It's not always so uh, stuffy. Sometimes there's just life. And the kids allow us to remember sometimes just life. It doesn't always have to be stuffy. It doesn't always have to be rigid. Another moment we've had over the last year, we, we began doing Empower the Fifth. And Empower the Fifth, it happens every fifth Sunday of the month that has five Sundays. And it was a moment just for fifth graders. Because as I reflect on, on, on my life and my uh, grade school, elementary school years, there's two grades that stick out to me as, as being particularly difficult. Uh, the first one was first grade. I did not like learning how to read. Uh, that was a struggle for me. Um, and now here I am reading all the time. What did I do? Uh, but anyway, that was a struggle for me. The other one was fifth grade. Fifth grade is hard. 
fifth grade is difficult because you don't always want to hang out with second graders. But seventh graders won't let you hang out with them. So we created space for fifth graders to be fifth graders, to not have to try to fit in and act like a seventh grader, but not to have to, to kid down their life like a second grader, where they could be themselves and ask questions, be goofy, be silly. And those have been powerful moments as well. Next, we, we started on a new venture for Wapak Naz. We had our first intern in the course of Wapak Naz history, uh, when Noah, Noah Robbins came this summer and served with us. And of course, I had to throw a picture of our wall ball crew that formed every Wednesday night. If you were here on Wednesday nights through the course of this summer, you probably saw a group of five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten teenagers along that brick wall over there, bouncing a tennis ball and running after it. And you're probably thinking, what on earth are they doing? Building community is what they're doing. Building relationships, investing in one another. And Noah hopped right in there. He wasn't our, our teen intern. He wasn't just for the teenagers. He was involved in a lot of aspects of our church. He preached. He led uh, Bible studies on, on Digging Deeper on Wednesday nights. He led our prayer times. But he invested in our teenagers too. Do you know why he did that? Because he felt like you were family. It wasn't just a job. He wanted to be involved in your lives. So much so that first weekend of uh, uh, November, is that the first weekend of November? Yeah, man, time flies. First weekend of November, he made a trip all the way from Mount Vernon Nazarene University to St. Mary's, Ohio, so that he could spend the weekend with teenagers at our fall retreat. You know what else he had to do that weekend? Write a term paper. Do a research project. He had class at 8 a.m. on Monday morning. But he wanted to be invested in the lives of our teenagers because when he was here, you invested in him. You poured into him. And so all he could do was pour back into who had poured into him. Another first for us, uh, a couple months ago, we had our, our first safety team meeting. We created and developed a, a team. We had an instructor come in to help encourage us on what it means to help keep our people safe. How do we keep people safe when they're in the church? Right? And this isn't doom and gloom. We, we don't think terrible things are going to happen at every turn, every corner. But we did say, well, what can we do to make this place safer? How can we help give people a sense of security? And so we have people on this team who just roam the halls, and ensure that our kids are safe upstairs while we're in here, that our lobbies are safe. These movements are movements where we don't just say, ah, good enough was good enough, but that we're challenged to become better every day, to be more effective, to be more efficient. And another first and I'm going to conclude kind of here, uh, which is kind of awkward because I'm not trying to make this about me, but I want to illuminate something here in this message. This is pictures from my ordination service, and you might not know what the heck an ordination service is, and that's okay. Uh, 
an ordination service is the culmination of the credentialing of a clergy member, right? So it's different in different churches and different traditions, but for us in the Church of the Nazarene, uh, the minimum time is three years moving towards this. Some of us are slow learners, and it takes us like 10 years. So this was the, the culmination of about 10 years uh, for me. Commitment to God, commitment to his call, uh, commitment to the things he has asked me to do with my life. And, and here's where I share this. Uh, this picture here is myself, my wife, and, and the other ordinands, the people who were getting ordained that night. We all came in as part of the service, and uh, we were called to the front, and we kneeled at altars kind of like these ones in here. And I remember feeling and thinking as I walked up and I kind of knelt down at the altar, I thought, ah, oh, finally. I'm done. I, I made it. I've, I've completed it, right? And I'm like, oh, it's so nice. Oh, this is so good. And you see in that picture, the blonde-haired lady's got her hands extended to my head and Chris's head. That's Carla Sundberg, our general superintendent. She placed her hands on my forehead she prayed over me, and I felt this weight that I've never felt in my life. The closest thing I can compare it to is when I had my first kid, and that weight of having a child. But this weight I've just not experienced in my life. And that came with my ordination, my call to be a pastor, that it's not just a, a job or a vocation, that if I get fired from Wapak Nest this afternoon, that I'm still called. I'm still committed to this. God hasn't released me from it. And I share this to say that ordination in this capacity is for clergy. But we have all been ordained in the kingdom of God. We are a royal priesthood called and committed to God. And that commitment to God means commitment to each other. And that commitment to each other means commitment to our communities. And that commitment to our communities means commitment to our families. And everything in between. So you can't just segment it out and say, what we do on Sunday is just about Sunday. I'm good serving on Sunday, but I don't want to serve on Monday. That's not how it works. God has called us to be salt of the earth. Preserve it. Add flavor to it. Make it enjoyable. Make it fulfilling. Make it wonderful. He's called us to be light, to illuminate the darkness, to spread it to the furthest corners so that those who live in the darkness are, and are afraid in the darkness can see something better that they never knew was there because they were living in darkness. And he's called us to be yeast. The yeast of the kingdom of heaven that rises it up in this place, that cultivates it here. See, on earth as it is in heaven doesn't just mean we, we're anticipating heaven or we're waiting for heaven or we're, we can't wait till we get out of earth to go to heaven. No, it means we're bringing heaven here. We want heaven to be a reality in Wapakoneta. And we know that the work of God is not going to be done until Jesus returns. We know that. 
But we also know that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can make this place, we can make moments and opportunities and, 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 and times that are noble, that are good, that are life-giving, that are hope-filled, that are encouraging. That's what we're called to be. And through the course of this year, that's who you guys were. And I feel blessed, and I feel fortunate to be a part of that. And so as we, we kind of conclude this part of the, the time together in our worship service, we're going to pray. Um, and then Stephen's going to come up, and, and he's going to have a couple other things for us this morning. But I want to encourage you to live into your call as ordained people in the, the kingdom of God. To not allow the things we did yesterday to be good enough. Oh, we used to do that. That was great. That was good. Now, what are we doing today? What are you doing now that's making a difference? That's investing in others? That's committed to others? Because a year in review is great. But a year in review should call us and move us to the year ahead. So what are we doing moving forward? Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you and we do ask that you speak to our lives as a body, as a group. May you pour your spirit upon us. May you shape us. May you challenge us. May you call us to deeper, more committed ways with you. May we not be satisfied with how things were yesterday, but may we be committed to the things of tomorrow. God, may we not forget our call. May we not forget that we are a royal priesthood. May we not forget that we are yours and this place is yours. Father, help us. Help us to be salt. Help us to be light. Help us to be yeast. Help us to be loved people, loving people to Jesus. And may we give you the glory and the honor for the things you're going to do in 2022. Because you're going to do miracles. And you're going to do wonderful, amazing, powerful things. And you're going to use us to do those things. Thank, thank you. Thank you for allowing us to do that. Jesus, we love you. And we ask that you continue to be with us in this service. For in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Wapak Nas podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you. And that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community. And to love people to Jesus.